Hello and welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends, a weekly podcast from your friends at MI6HQ. I'm Paul Atkinson. This week I've assembled a smaller panel to talk about the big one, it's Goldfinger. We're talking about the art of Goldfinger, the book covers and the film posters. Joining me to do that is David Lee, Sean Longmore and Ben Williams. Could you introduce yourselves please? Hi there, David Lee here. I run the James Bond dossier. I'm on Twitter and all the socials. I'm the author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond. That's me. Hello, I'm Sean Longmore, uh, and I'm a graphic designer. I sometimes do James Bond fan art. Uh, I've done fan art projects for Japanese posters, and I'm on all the socials too. I'm Ben Williams. I write for MI6HQ.com and MI6 Confidential Magazine. I am on social media at some point somewhere. You can find me if you're so inclined. And I have been just this last couple of weeks, dipping my toe into fan art as well. So um, all very exciting stuff. Thank you all. Um, Unfortunately, Peter, who's a regular panelist on these little experiments so far, couldn't make it this afternoon and we couldn't find a ringer at short notice. So all props to you guys for uh, showing up. On a serious note, before we get started talking about the first edition Goldfinger cover, um, I'm going to throw to Ben, who's going to just acknowledge the passing of uh, one of the artists that we talked about on a previous episode. So, uh, yes, thank you, Paul. I uh, just wanted to say um, a, a couple of words on uh, Enzo Scotti, who, as many people know, was a prolific poster artist. He died recently at the age of 76. Uh, he was an Italian artist who uh, was responsible for, um, as I say, many, many movie posters, including uh, Army of Darkness, which I know that both Sean and I are big fans of. He's probably known in the Bond world for having done the uh, Italian poster work for uh, Doctor No, and also some additional artwork on Moonraker, which we briefly touched on uh, when we did the Moonraker episodes. Just wanted to acknowledge his, his passing. I mean that was a pretty good gig for a young person born in the 40s so would have been would have been only just pushing 20 when he got the job on Doctor No. Uh yeah, started at a very young age, I think 15 or 16 before when he when he started doing posters. So yeah, quite young when he got to do that gig. So uh yeah, impressive stuff. Was uh, posting to the Instagram new pieces of work probably mostly in the horror genre to the last. Mm. Yeah. Now we turn our attention to Goldfinger. I think we're kind of treating ourselves again with another chopping cover after we had a little, we really, really vamped on the Moonraker cover. Would anybody like to talk a little bit about the first edition cover for Goldfinger by Richard Chopping? What's there to say about it? It's, uh, it's uh, a skull on a kind of, looks like a, a plywood box or something that it's in with a, a rose between its teeth, which I guess symbolizes love or something, and uh, a couple of gold coins in the eye sockets. It's uh, The skull must uh, obviously symbolize death, which I guess fits with Goldfinger's scheme. But I don't know. There's, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Typically of Chopping's work, and, and certainly in sort of juxtaposition to uh, From Russia With Love, which we've discussed on another episode again it's that kind of balancing of kind of beauty and death and i think you know which 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 i've always found sort of particularly uh, has drawn me to to chopping's work and particularly with the bond covers because i think it's that nice juxtaposition of those themes that you actually find within 
the stories themselves. And I think the, you know, the, the gold coins in the eyes sort of, you know, representing the, you paying the, uh, the boatman to get you over the sticks, which I think is a nice touch to have, uh, have, have in there. And yeah, I, again, the, the, the typical kind of Trump boy style, I think it's a, it's, I think it's a very powerful, punchy piece. Um, it was Chopping's favorite, apparently. Personally, it's kind of my second favorite next to From Russia With Love. I think it's a, I think it's a very strong graphic uh, cover. I think what, what's interesting uh, about this book actually is if you if you take the dust jacket off, then it has the skull on the on the front of the book, and the the coins in the eye sockets are, are highlighted with gold leaf, which is a nice touch. It is a nice touch, and again, it and it reflects back to what they did with from Russia with Love, which is if you took the dust jacket off that, you would have the, the in silver leaf, you would have the just the gun and the rose, and uh, none of the kind of the other sort of background detail, which I think is quite a, a nice touch. My copy of the book was the book club edition, but with this dust jacket. But when you took the dust jacket off, it didn't actually have this this <laughs> lovely um, thing that uh, David was describing here with the with the gold leaf. It just was a a kind of a mustard yellow cover. They cut some corners for you, Ben. I, I, I've actually got a, a copy. Uh, I've and got the, the book club again. Uh, uh, edition as well, Ben. It's uh, it, it's quite quite a quite a good one. I'll ask you, Sean, briefly. Hello. Yes. I mean, so what I've I'm never very good at starting these conversations, but as soon as people start talking, I. I find the I find the inspiration to say something. Yeah, um, so, sorry, I'm guilty of the worst thing with these podcasts. Is I find you guys terribly interesting, so I just kind of just sit and listen, and I'm like nodding along, going, "Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point that I remember. I kind of have to talk." That's why we pay you the big bucks, man. <laughs> You're the only person who actually makes any sense, Sean. Oh, I don't know. If I'm the one making sense, there's no hope for anybody. <laughs> um, well, for me, this one's it's an interesting one. It's actually one of my least favorite choppings, if I'm honest. But then I. I don't. I don't have as strong of kind of an emotional connection with Goldfinger as a book as I do quite a few of the others. So I don't know if that plays into anything for me personally. But it's it's re- it's it's very striking. I just don't. I can't in my head necessarily see as much of a connection with the novel itself and the prose as I can say with something like From Rush with Love, Thunderball, which I really love. Chopping Thunderball cover. But I do. It's it's really striking, and I can imagine going into a bookshop. Bookshop. Um, when was it? 59, headed into a bookstore back then would have been seeing that everywhere. That would have been really like noticeable and it really would have caught your eye. I guess what I was thinking to to myself was that it's like, unlike From Russia With Love, where it's sort of, I don't know, there's a bit of more three-dimensional something going on in this particular design where you've got, you know, the skull clearly seems to be positioned behind the rose. Whereas a lot of the, my impression of a lot of the other chopping covers, at least from the memories, that they're quite flat. Yeah, yeah a lot of them seem to be sort of like bird's eye from above kind of point of view. Here, you've got a connection. Yeah, I, I, I find th- I find this one quite flat actually because the, uh, the there's there's no shadow of the skull or the rose on, on the wood which you'd expect, and so it it, it doesn't quite pop out at me. I, I, I find the, the colours in this one interesting. I think the colours. I don't know if it's just the scans I see, but they they're quite muted. Yeah, that that that's the thing that I'm always a bit um, unsure about where, whether it, it's the the original color or or whether it's because the that they faded over time and um, we're just not seeing them at their best. I, I have no idea. The color of the skull and the color of the wood are not highly differentiated. 
yeah, it's it, it's all it's all yeah, quite mm. beige. I, I think it's it's interesting though in that it's probably I suppose when we look, when we start looking at the later editions, we'll notice this got least in common with the later editions. I think to a lot of the other chopping covers. Probably because they a lot of the later the later covers riffed on the imagery from the film, the Golden Girl the and whatnot. So I just wanted to point out that on all of of all of uh, Chopping's covers that he he did for Fleming's Bonds, this is the only one uh, which has Ian Fleming's full name. Usually, and it's and it's right at the top. On all the others, Fleming's name is kind of just Fleming, not Ian. Sometimes it's kind of tucked away in a corner but this is very much right at the top um i think david pointed out um you know this this sense of depth that you get with the rose being over the the words and you also see that with the skull being in front of fleming's name i won't take credit for that that was paul but oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I, I i actually said the the opposite the you get a sense of depth from that but um it, where it's lacking depth is there's no shadow from the skull or the rose and uh, so it, it seems a bit flat because of that to me i've been trying to do uh, some emulate some of uh chopping's kind of covers myself and i getting the the shadow to be as unrealistic as he put, he makes them. It's actually quite. It's quite hard to make them not look in perspective. If you, if you take my meaning. Well, the interesting thing for me, at least now looking at it and riffing on what you said, is that the shadows are the skull in a sense. Like that's what gives the skull its definition. Mm. For all intents and purposes, it is the same color as the background, which I think I said before. But it's the shadow and the edges and the the darkness that gives you this sense of shape at all right i'm not a graphic designer and i don't want artists i don't really sort of have that have the technical language to describe that the skull would be have to be either very small or very far away for that rose to be that or a very luscious rose very very yeah Uh, Yeah, it's it's, it's a a jumbo rose it's a jumbo Jumbo. Yeah. And something something that Sean mentioned earlier was that you know the the, the colors are the colors are quite washed out in a way but uh, on, on the image that we're looking at at least but do you know if the original cover was like this or whether it's just the, the copies that we the, the copy that we're looking at Um so I can sort of answer that David uh, um I, I threw into the our um our document a couple of the proofs by chopping and they were quite quite washed out, and um, apparently he was asked to kind of darken it up a bit. Um, although this result, I think, is still pretty dark and pretty light. Could have done with being a little. It's it's, it's interesting. I, I I quite like those. Looking at that proof now, I quite like those colours. There's a little. The skull is much more stark white which yeah, i guess I, I, chopping I, hasn't it, put his pencil edges on yet mm, but it's it's mm. much stark whiter and there's some purple in the rose which is really nice. i think it would have been served better to have made the background darker but kept the skull whiter like stark white because well bone white yeah bone I mean. white well exactly yeah bone white because on the on the final cover it does very uniformly the the color palette the, the skull sort of sends the kind of be lost a little bit i mean either you either kind of keep that kind of bone white color or you go darker on the background the proofs remind me a little bit of like a photographic negative 
Mm. And I, when I see them, I always think, oh, that some, there's something not right about that. And it's possibly because I've seen the originals mm. or the, the final, sorry, mm. possibly because I've seen the final. But maybe it's appropriate that the skull is kind of ghostly white and sort of disappears yeah. into the background a little bit. Well, it would have been better for Thunderball, though, because uh, of Spectre. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's it's yes, interesting, it though, if we um, when we bring Thunderball up, just look at, going back and looking at the background, as you can see in the Goldfinger cover, chopping. This is kind of his first attempt where he tries to bring a corner to a wall, as though you've got a mm. sort of wooden desk or a wooden table, and then a wooden slab of the wall because you've got two different directions in the wood grain. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he does a similar thing in Octopussy, Living Daylights, I think. Um, but in Thunderball, he deliberately denotes that the, the surface that the hand and the cards are on is green, all behind wood yeah because when i was looking at it earlier i was thinking but what why has he got two bits of plywood joined together like this and uh and then then i realized no it's it's a box or something you know this is where it sort of fails a little bit for me because this is where the sort of sense of perspective is let down there's no shading there's no change in light which is you know, one of the things I, I, I sort of don't particularly like about the Thunderbolt cover Ibra is because I feel like it, I hadn't actually considered before, Sean, that uh, Octopussy is two planes as well, but it clearly now looking at it, it is. Right. If I squint at it, then I think it works better because you lose the detail of the wood grain and uh, then the, the skull kind of pops out more at mm. you. It's it's interesting. That's it's I I do that with I do that exercise with some of my work where I squint at it to see what stands out. Um, and it's interesting where your eyes go when you do that, and you see that you can see that the gold coins in the eye sockets, the shadow and the detail that we're talking yep. about being lacking from the rest of the skull and the rose is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's absolutely. really put a lot of work into that. So there must have been some deliberate choice mm. for not doing that elsewhere. Yeah, I I I think just a plain background would have worked better here, or at least a single plane. You know, just to yeah. sort of, just sort of a suggestion that it was just as as um, from Russia with love is. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Almost like it's an attempt to be literal or to be too literal, perhaps. It's like we commented on the from Russia with love mm. cover is that one of the charms of Chopping's work is that it, you you don't it's not it's not purely a still life in the yeah, it's not purely a still life in the traditional sense where you get a sense of space and place. They're they're more like a presentation of objects arranged and the and the perspective is slightly skewy and it kind of makes you think. Whereas this one and perhaps Octopussy as well, they've gone, well, if the skull is going to be standing in that configuration, then it needs to be, you know, it can't be possibly thought to be lying on a bench in that I, I, position. I always prefer it when it looks more like a flat lay, you know, as opposed to a perspective kind of thing. Like the, from Rush With Love is is just like a flat lay from above, you know. It's just a collection of objects. The same with the man with the golden gun. There isn't really any kind of perspective work in play there. You're... No, I don't disagree, but I also think that the skull would be wobbling around in a kind of weird yeah, fashion yeah. if you just laid it on a table. That's true. That is true. Yeah, the, the, you can't imagine that the skull would have much bite. Do you yeah. think he's, he spent ages just trying to keep the the rose inside the skull's mouth? It it also weirdly it, it reminds me of the cover of Flowers of Romance by Public Image Limited because that that has a a woman on the cover with with a rose between her teeth and uh, so, maybe uh, that maybe she was posing for it for so long. 
you can't tell the sex of the skull yeah. from from the skull, can you? We talked we talked a little bit about from Rush with Love uh, how Fleming was particular about the kind of gun. Um, did Chopping have any reference material for this one? Does anyone know? Yeah, he he murdered somebody and uh, <laughs> used used their skull um, and Dolson's flowers from the neighbor's rose bush. And he only got in trouble for not having a firearms license. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay. or, it, or it could could have been one of the uh, murder victims yeah. from yeah. the, uh, the <laughs> from Burnside the, from the original. <laughs> <laughs> Just to uh, come back briefly to the the gold coins and the the eyes, and you talk about the shadow and everything. Now I'm looking at it; it sort of looks a little bit like an eye roll. Like it does. It sort of like <laughs> looks like. It's, are you gonna? When are we gonna finish doing this? I'm so bored of holding this rose between my teeth. This gigantic, gigantic rose. To, to Paul's question, I don't know the answer. I I understood that he tended to work from um, objects. That was his kind of training. The 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 dog went out in the garden and uh, came back with this. So uh, I just thought it was perfect. <laughs> it, it 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 would be interesting actually to know the origins of this one. And when you compare this with From Much With Love, which is sort of steeped in symbolism, it's all about the metaphorical. And do for- forgive me, I'm not as well, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not as well versed with Goldfinger as a novel, but is th- this isn't imagery that's directly lifted from the novel, is it? No. No, no, it's 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 not. Um, but again... Do you know, it, 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 it would fit um, Live and Let Die better, I think. I was just, I was literally just going to say that. Sorry. No, no, I, just, I, think you, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, because there's gold coins in Live and Let Die. You know, there is the voodoo in there. You're absolutely right. It would work. And I wonder, because Fleming did stipulate, you know, the objects that were on all of these, these covers, he, you know, he, he, in a sense, designed them or at least gave a very you know, particular brief shopping. Um, these weren't things that he shopping pulled out of uh, out of a hat, so to speak. These were that there was a very specific design directive and brief for Fleming to to have these in there. And I wonder some kind of residual leftover from. The- I, I'd say all, all, almost certainly, yeah, because with with from Russia with Love, the the first first edition, it says uh, cover designed by Ian Fleming and Richard Chopping objected to that because. Mm. Uh, he 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 had a brief, uh, as you say, but uh, yeah, chopping felt very much that he had done the the design, which I think he he was quite right in a hundred percent because in getting that credit. Uh, I don't know if you've actually seen, you know, Fleming did a sort of very brief sketch of what he kind of wanted to see. It's you know it might have been compositionally similar, but it's it's chopping who really brought these things to life. I suppose there's also a sense of by when we put it into the context of where Fleming's mind was at at this point that Fleming was getting a little bit tired with it and he was getting a bit run down. Was it wasn't correct? But I might be wrong, but wasn't at one point this gonna be the final James Bond novel? Well, um, fr- from Russia with Love actually was going to be the final, which is why at the end he appears to uh, die and. Mm. Uh, um, he, Spoiler he, alert! And, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, and Fleming wasn't sure whether he was going to carry on or not at that stage. So, I, 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 I probably by this stage he, he he was looking at it book 
book to book and he, he wasn't sure if he was going to do another one after after he'd finished each which I, I i kind of understand because um you know that's how you feel when you finish the podcast right <laughs> <laughs> sure the you know when, when when you put a lot of effort into something and you, afterwards you, you need a break from it and you need to distance uh yourself from it and uh you, you need to kind of get your creative juices going again and and you know i i, I think probably you can appreciate that more than anybody else here sean I, I I think he he just you know he went on he went on his holiday at his winter holiday to Jamaica he did um, his his first draft and he went back and did all the editing and so on and after that he he needed to uh, distance himself from it I think it, it, well of course around this time would have been about the time he was looking into TV pilot scripts and film rights and such so I can imagine he was pretty he was. Uh, and as any creative will know, is when you've done something over and over again for a while, you it's very hard for creative people to stick to something and not want to jump off and do something else. So I imagine that actually a lot of the responsibility for this cover probably went to Chopping himself. In terms of composition and, and the rest, definitely. Um, but it's my understanding that um, Fleming definitely ha- had a, a, um, a very strong idea for each I, I could be wrong about that, and I wasn't present. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was my it's my understanding when I've, uh, I've in my in my research into these things that um, that you know Fleming definitely had an idea of what he wanted to see. But I do I do take your point, John, that um, it's difficult to not you know to keep uh, you know to keep the creative juices kind of flowing. And just looking at the at, at the covers that you know Chopping did. Um, and knowing the history of the books and where he was at at those points is a, it, it's a very interesting you know we, we haven't necessarily talked about um, the time contextually or where where you know Fleming was at contextually and you know then you know the next when you look at things like Thunderball um, and the um, you know the legal issues that were, were were started to come up around that you know, with Spy Who Loved Me, um, his dissatisfaction with that as a novel. So there's all sorts of things that kind of creep in. Um, his ill health, uh, for example, uh, in Golden Gun. You know, uh, there. It's it's worth kind of thinking not just in terms of uh, how these were, were were made, but but when and what the mindset was. And and just can I go back to one thing that you briefly mentioned earlier was um, about. Fleming's full name being on there, mm. um, and I wonder how much of that is hangover from the Doctor No cover. So I think Fleming's full name is on the original first edition of that, but I wonder if um, it'll have been Jonathan Cape that published this at the time, wouldn't it? If they would have thought, well, we're suddenly changing the style back to what it was before. Is it stronger if we put Ian Fleming's name full top center, sort of really play and remind audiences of what? what the books are mm. after that big departure with Dr. No. Yeah. I, 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 I'd say that's a, a very good and valid point. You know, any, any publisher wants to sell books at the end of the day. I think it's, it's quite an interesting thing that Fleming chose to kind of just be credited as Fleming so often. I think it's probably, you're probably right. It's probably a publisher's choice. No, no, I, I could be too. I, every, everything I say pretty much is assumption. So. <laughs> 
I, I, I guess, I guess the, there's a, another way of looking at it. And um, his brother Peter Fleming was a uh, very popular travel author. And I'm wondering if by putting Fleming, it was deliberate to to try and confuse people a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've worked in I've worked in marketing for many many years. So. Ian Fleming, great travel author. I don't know if any anybody here has actually read any of Peter Fleming's work. He's a very good writer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't no. Yeah, uh, I, I, I keep thinking I should. Yeah, it's definitely definitely worth reading some of his Fleming has his brother's gift. Ian Fleming has his brother's gift of, kind of being being very good at um, creating a sense of place, very evocatively. Um, and um, certainly towards sort of the the later books, I think, um, you know, Ian Fleming got better at kind of being a bit more kind of travelogy. Certainly you only live twice. You... I, I, I enjoy it for that, though. Yeah, as do I. Um, and I think he also, you know, it's not a particularly, it's, it's quite a tongue-in-cheek book. You know, he's not taking himself particularly seriously. To try and sort of bring it back to the covers a little bit, and then I think I'll ask David to talk about his stunning Spanish cover. For all of the thought about the travel writing, it's quite interesting how, you know, the opposite of travel writing is perhaps still life, where <laughs> you've locked yourself in a room and put, and put everything on on a table and went, yeah, that's the sum total of of the world. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if you go to a good travel writing the travel section in a bookshop it's not it's not often a lot of still life <laughs> uh yeah yeah both um both richard chopping and peter fleming experts in their their own chosen polar opposite field David, can you introduce us a book cover that spoke to you or that you wanted to comment on? Yeah, well, in fact, I've got a couple here. They're both in Spanish, and one of them is an edition that I actually own. I think I've mentioned before that I've read some of the books in Spanish just to try and improve my Spanish. A slightly useful skill to have uh sometimes uh do, do, do you ever like alternate so like read a page of one in english and then read a page in another in spanish and see how they compare well uh, because i've read the books so many times in english i i, I do notice when they that when they deviate from uh the the english in in the translation which is just thinking about all of the sort of the vocabulary you develop from reading Fleming in Spanish. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) What are you you talking about on the street that might not be so appropriate? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's just just where I live. (laughs) But anyway, sorry, I distracted you. Sorry, I threw you off. No, 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 it's fine. These editions that I... It must have been like 2004, 2005, maybe it was 2006 to coincide with Casino Royale at the cinema. But um, they, this Spanish publisher uh, picked up the, the the rights to do the Spanish editions again. And I, I grabbed a, a few of them just to read them in Spanish for a change and to improve my Spanish. And what's particularly notable about this whole series of books is that it basically, that they have the title of the book, and it says uh, James Bond in small letters and a very big 007. And there's no design to them at all. And so it's just like 
it was it's like it was done by the the t-boy i reckon uh they, they, they certainly didn't pay a designer to do these but my, my real pick here is a uh, I, I guess a book from the 19s yeah it's 1960s because it's clearly it's it's a tie-in with the with the film and it says james bond en espanol and um and Goldfinger de in Fleming. It says, Otra gran película del agente 007, which is another great film for, of, of Agent 007. But the imagery, there's a kind of pencil drawing that looks like Sean Connery, but there's a woman on the cover who is naked, but then she's covered by the, uh, by, by, by the title and the credits. Her, her her modesty is is spared, uh, but she, uh, she she looks like nothing like uh, any of the female characters from the <laughs> film. So it, it's a it's a it's a bit curious, but uh, it, it, it's uh, I, I, I like I like the design of this. It, it's it interesting. I think that's the only Goldfinger Goldfinger cover or bit of art that I've seen where the female character presented on it is is a brunette. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You associate her, her yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, and Sean it, Connery as sketch looks a bit like the skull from the chopper. <laughs> yes, this is true too. I, 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 it's odd that presents is where his teeth would. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, got, yes. he's got one of those grills. Like he's just he, he opens his mouth and says presents. I was going to say, what sharp little eyes you have, Sean. Really. <laughs> mm. oh, I, I, I have a lot of thoughts about both of these. <laughs> I must say. Um, I think talking about the, the shit one first, and I'm sorry if whoever designed it happens to listen to this podcast um, and was somewhat really proud of it. It's fucking awful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, the, it, the uh, whole. I I I, I, sh- I should photograph my entire collection of Spanish paperbacks for you. It's it's the <laughs> most uninspired thing, and I I re- I really hate where you've got to turn it. It looks like it's the wrong way up, and you got to turn it round to read it the right way, and ah. Uh, it's it's a nightmare for legibility and accessibility. It's really uninspired. There's what three, four different fonts going off. Yeah, it's a mess, isn't it? And there's and there's no imagery. I meant to pull it out of my bookcase, and I don't have it next to me. Uh, I, I, I think it's grey, and maybe there's a, a slight um, pattern to it, but I, I can't remember. How old is it? Is it from the like the very early sort of? No, no, no. It, 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 it's 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 two thousands. It, oh, it, it's oh. from when I when I the, this edition w- was published when I was living in, in Barcelona. It's a very good example of printing money. It's 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 almost an achievement. It, in that you're, t- <laughs> you're, ta- you're taking one of the most iconic um, pr- properties and iconic films of that property of all time, and and you're just shitting it on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels like it. the publisher saying, "Could we do less? Could we put less on <laughs> mm. there?" Um, yeah. We don't have the clearance for that picture. <laughs> we'll just have to put. They just remove some layers just, in Photoshop yeah. and printed it. Yeah, it's just okay. So we don't have we don't have her permission to use that picture. So we'll just just use a black background instead. Um, it does look like it was done on a bet, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> around the office, they were going, "Who can who can do the shittest cover?" And the person who does the shittest cover will win will win the pool. But they didn't realise that they would accidentally. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be a better cover if it didn't have the 007 nomenclature. I was going to call it the logo, but it's not. I, even I, the yeah, logo. Yeah, I, I think you I, could I think, take think... any single element off, and it would be a better cover. 
you could take any one thing off and it would instantly improve it. It's like a combination if, of apart all from this the name. Stuff. I don't know if you took that, if you took that off, there could be the, this argument that well, 007's in gold, so you've got some minimalism. So there's something there. It's yeah, just, I, I, I was going to say if you only had Goldfinger where it is uh, with a black background, then you could also say it was minimalist. But uh-huh. uh, this this this. I mean, if, if they were aiming for minimalist, uh, they don't quite get minimalism. They missed the mark for minimalism. I mean, um, Ian Fleming's never just had Ian and big text on his book cover yet. Who <laughs> <laughs> could try that? I mean, compared to compared to your your, your second pick, um, I have to say is is a mess. Um, <laughs> it, I like it, but I like it substantially more. There's a lot more kind of interesting things going on there. You, you know, there were design choices that were made. Um, they may not have been the right choices, but they were choices. You know, whereas the, the other one just looked like it was literally put together in under 10 minutes. Uh, this one, at least, is, you know, you, there's been some thought. Yeah, it, it was the tea boy in his tea break. <laughs> I, I think interesting is the right way to summarize your preferred choice there, David. I, it's it's kind of weird. It, I kind of get the vibe that this would be, if you got David Lynch to design the James Bond book cover, you get this kind of thing. It's, I, it's, I think it's the fact that Sean Connery's head is so perfectly placed that his nose fits where the lady's neck is. It's like yes. someone's really, really positioned that very carefully. Um, but I, I, James Bond in Espanol, that's that's great. I love. I, I think that's wonderful. And the the film cell um, design, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but it reminds me a lot of the um, pan paperback from, from Russia with Love that tied into the film, which was like a film strip. Which, of course, makes more sense in the context of the novel for that book. But. And you said that the subtext was that it was promoting the film. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's a tie-in. It, it, it's a tie-in. It, yeah, it's... Uh... Is album presents Goldfinger from Ian Fleming. It's another great James Bond film. <laughs> the book's not bad either. Yeah, it's just bizarre, you know. Like, like you know, usually what you get is like now a major motion picture or yeah. something like that in, in English, right? Where it's like this is the book that created the film, as opposed to the books like yeah. just go watch the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't bother with it. Don't bother with the book. But, but actually, containing in none the of case the of other. Goldfinger might be the better advice. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I would be, I'd be very interested to kind of hear from Sean or anybody who, you know, like, in terms of what elements that they would include themselves if they were trying to do a, you know, I, I almost feel like nothing on this, um, on this second cover that you, you've picked out here, particularly has anything to do with the film or the book or, you know, anything that's contained within it. It doesn't, it leads the, you know, the, 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 the reader to kind of, there's no kind of like sense of uh, excitement to, to open this book and, and to discover what lies beyond it. No, no, okay, I, I, I disagree. Are there naked <laughs> women in this book? Um, well, there are. Uh, yeah, there yeah. you go. Well, you don't know that she's naked. She's she's got a giant film cell in front of her. <laughs> True. Which uh, I should say is also something that I noticed when, uh, not to deviate too much, but like when I was looking at some of the the posters for um, Goldfinger, they tended to have a picture of a naked lady and then 
uh, to protect her modesty, they'd kind of have a, a superimposition of Sean Connery over over certain parts. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a lot we could say on that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think what you're so what you were saying about what makes an interesting cover um, is a rule I always play by when I'm designing my work, whether it be my own personal work, my James Bond work, or whether it be professional work that I'm doing, is that. A, your mum should be able to instantly look at it and understand what it is. And B, anyone should be, you should be able to look at it without text as a context. I always say that your leading image should instantly be able to tell an audience what it is, and they shouldn't have to read or do, do any text work to understand that. I'm not sure that this quite passes that test. But... I'm not sure that it, that it would either, if you took all of the text elements off it. You wouldn't necessarily immediately think it was a, a bond but i mean obviously connery's face is in there but it's not you know it's not immediately recognizable the ghost you know. of sean connery yeah, yeah. I, I i think i think um some context is that spain in the 1960s was under the franco dictatorship and mm-hmm. so it's like all all the early bond films were were rated 18 or the equi- the equivalent of 18 in spain and so the the bond films were looked at very very risque f- films and so uh this plays into that i would say but you know because there's also the kind of uh, catholic thing uh, uh, as well that you know that you, you you couldn't show any flesh as as this uh, this, this certainly doesn't, and so I, I, I think, I, I think this, this all has a part in it. Beyond, behind, behind this barrier, there's a naked woman. But uh... it, it, it's like when they put the naughty magazines in a cover, top shelf, that kind of thing. Um, was, was there a full series of these? Did they do the whole range, or was it just? I, d- I don't know. I don't know. Sean, what have you got for us? Well, I wonder. Sorry to put you on the spotlight, Ben. Shall we go to Ben's first? Because I imagine what I'm going to say about mine might tie into the movie posters a little bit more. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I've no objection. Um... <laughs> okay. Hey, Ben, what have you got for us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice clean edit. Yeah, so <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have to um, ask David's help a little bit on this one because the, the, the one that I've picked out is the Book Club 1959 edition. So this this came out pretty much the same time. I think it's like the second, roughly the same sort of time that Goldfinger uh, came out. And although the book club did often uh, reissue dust jackets that uh, that Chopping had, this particular one is a little bit different. It's sort of uh, three colours. And the reason I was going to ask David for for uh, some help with this is because he actually owns this cover. I do, yeah. I, I have it in my hands at the moment, and I don't know who the artist is. I yes, find uh, do you know? I, know I was I was looking for the artist inside the, the book earlier on, and I've just seen that the artist has actually signed the cover. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that would and, help. Uh, and and it, it's Cut Hill. I quite like this cover, and it, it, it's a kind of three color sort of gold, white, and black, and it's sort of a bisected. Um, on on one side. You, you kind of have on the left side you have a like a paper cutout almost like Matisse's cutouts yeah of a of a of a, of a woman again she's bisected down the middle so she's half uh, in gold and half in black and it you know that does kind of remind me sort of 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 a, of a Matisse and on the other side you've got an almost Picasso esque I guess uh, a close up of 
who I'm assuming is Goldfinger, who looks more like George Sanders, and, you know, like a caricature of George Sanders. And that is all done in kind of uh, black and gold. And Goldfinger is, the, the title of the book is sort of right across the, the, the top third there with Ian Fleming's name down at the bottom. I think it's interesting. I, you know, it's, it's not a, a perfect cover by, by any means, and it's not particularly telling you much about what's happening. Certainly more artistic than some of the other covers that I've seen, some of the more literal covers. Do you know, I, I, I think it would probably have worked better with just the girl. Yeah, I think you're, I think, I think you're right as well. Or just George Sanders. <laughs> I do like it. I, I like anything that kind of does sort of harken back to actual kind of artistic style. I, you know, one of the ones that I sort of thrown into the chat uh, <laughs> was this ridiculous one with just kind of a, um, the, the golden shapes of a uh, uh, woman's rear end bond entering the room and comically dropping champagne that was just ridiculous and i think it's one end of the spectrum of farcical and then this is kind of at least making it uh, artistic and again one is very literal and this is kind of representational uh, when, when when i saw that you'd added it to the um to, to the document that we share all this information with i it was like Ah, I didn't even think of this book, I, and I, I, I don't know why, because it was a brilliant, brilliant choice. I think the reason I bought it wasn't so much the cover design, but more the, the fact that it was the closest that I thought I would ever be able to afford a, a first edition of Goldfinger. <laughs> and uh, it, my, my, wi my wife actually hates this design. She, she right. thinks it's terrible. I, I kind of like it, and... Uh, you know, it's it's certainly very striking. I I particularly like the gold on it, and I like the contrasting colours. And mm. you know, the fact it's done just in three colours, I think, is really really good. Very striking. It's a bold and graphic, isn't it? Yeah. I I think I would agree with your wife on this. It's not something that I particularly necessarily like, but I but I appreciate. Yeah. On on that is that it it just, it feels very much like a sort of like an expressionist piece, which was popular at the time. I think. For me, it you kind of hit the nail on the head there is that there's something uncomfortable about it. Um, and I think that's the way I would, the way I analyze this. I've never seen this one before today. And what struck me is how it kind of portrays that, that, that fetish idea that Goldfinger has towards his treatment of women within the novel. And that he, it's kind of implied that he fetishizes death. And that's why he paints mistresses gold when he kills them. And I, I, I get a lot of that from this, particularly with where his eyeline is looking and at the presentation of how the female character was, would assume would be Jill is shown kind of to be dead. Oh, yeah. You, th you reckon she's dead? I think so. And it, it kind of... Um, so I was reading as well. I was doing a bit of homework for this and I was reading uh, our good friend Dr. Lisa Funnell's book for his eyes only the women of james bond um and there's a chapter in that i think it was by Catherine hayworth and she writes an essay in that about presentation of uh, female characters within um goldfinger's title sequence in relation to the music and a point that she made in that essay that in both the book and in the film is how female characters particularly in the title sequence are presented with sort of i can never say this word anonymity and they're almost um they almost become trophies for the male characters and i get that vibe here with that this is that jill is goldfinger's trophy in a sense that's the feeling that it gives me it just it makes me feel uncomfortable but in, in a way that 
reflects what's in the novel. Yeah, there's no there's no detail in her in her face. You know that she's female, but that's essentially it. Whereas with Goldfinger, you know, there's there's so much expression in. Although he does look like he's just walked into a kind of a screen door. I I just get that sense that he's like he's obviously presented as an older man here. Like you get you get the sense of age and wisdom from the detail on his face, but he seems like he's leering. He seems like he's looming over her. Like he's, she's belonging to him. That is that. Like I say, that fetish element that comes in. Well, he's he's also three dimensional, and she's <laughs> exactly two D. So there's there's that. Yeah, I think you're right. Just in the way that she's posed has an almost trophy-like quality to it, you know, like statue, like a, like a little statuette almost. The award for the most megalomaniac. Man- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like he's, he's, he's peeking behind the curtain waiting for his, uh, waiting for his uh, announcement of him, him winning the prize. It's an interesting cover, and it, it's interesting in how different it is, I think, from everybody, everything else as well. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And almost to... It, it's brave, I think, particularly for a time when James Bond was was a well-known book property, but wasn't kind of the massive franchise that we recognise today. It's intra- It was a brave choice to put an image that makes you feel uncomfortable on the cover. Yeah, it's it's more it's more sordid and it's more sinister than than the kind of the glamour of, of the film, and I suppose, in a sense, fittingly, more in line with what's in the book it's yeah and it, it focuses on goldfinger himself as a character which i don't think any of the other book covers that we've looked at and i don't think any that i've come across really do because it's it's putting him front and center it's it's going for that mature older audience you don't get the sense that this is a beautiful travel novel or there's lots of action or anything like that it's you don't you don't quite know what you're picking up mm. which is interesting yeah, yeah agreed to sean hello hello um so yeah i've got so i've got two picks that are sorry i could i couldn't pick between these two and they're two paperbacks from much later on i think um they're both kind of similar composition and so the ones i've picked are the u.s bantam paperback uh and then the turkish paperback and i'm gonna get it right out of the way because me and the elephant in the room at some point it's instantly the thing that spoils these covers they, they both have tits on them and it's really distracting and I think both of them are wonderful images until you get to that and it's like, oh, you didn't have to be so bloody crass with it. Both of them essentially have James Bond, a, a larger portrait of James Bond, and then the Golden Girl, which is something that we kind of, which has become a sort of shorthand synonym for Goldfinger now and would have done as these were published after the film. And so they both present Bond and what would have been Jill on a ready sort of pink background. Uh, Bond's holding a gun. You can look at them instantly for me and both instantly see that they're both James Bond novels, but they're both really beautiful, well done works of art, I think. Yeah, the, the first one seems to be clearly based on Roger Moore, but without looking like him. Yeah, so that's it. Well, it's Roger Moore and a view to a curl, isn't it? Because there's the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly not an, an Aston Martin, is it? Uh, so these are the, these are the Turkish novels, um, and I've got a full set from these and. Um, I was I was very someone very kindly provided with these and these are they were by an artist called um, Aslan Sukur. Sorry if I've got that wrong, 
um, and he did the full set of books about it would have been just after Octopussy I think they were published and what I really really love about these covers more than anything is that they put Roger Moore on there to tie them in with the films which is something I don't I don't think I've seen with any other series of the James Bond books you either get those paperbacks from the 60s which have Connery all over them or after that point they kind of either use a semi-likeness of Connery or they completely avoid showing James Bond completely. So I really I really love that they put Roger Moore front and centre to tie in. A, a, a non-Roger Moore, Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's a bit waxy, he's a bit gold. He's, yeah. but, but he, he's, he's got he's got the mole on his face and everything, so it's, uh, it, it's recognisably Roger Moore, but it just doesn't look like Roger Moore. <laughs> well, they're all like that, and they're, they're all very odd in that they're all, they all kind of very obviously pull imagery from the films, mm. but the, the, it's imagery that has nothing to do with the books. So the mm-hmm. spy who loved me has um, the, the Lotus going into the water with the helicopter mm-hmm. and Egypt. So it's nothing to do with nothing. Yeah. If you buy it based on the cover, <laughs> you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. What's the opposite of putting a spoiler? <laughs> <on the cover? laughs> putting, putting something that doesn't happen. But I, I, and anyone that knows my work will know that this kind of artwork is, is exactly up my street. It's very, it's very literal. It's explosive action, and I, out of all of them, I really love this one. And what I particularly love about this Turkish cover is how they've modernised the Golden Girl Jill um, and put a pair of gold aviators on her, which is incredibly eighties. And I fucking love that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Her aviators are up here. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a little bit crass, uh, which is not great, and there's the, the, the a shit car driving away from explosion. But it, it, I thought it was just, I, I thought that was the, the the exhaust pipe. Just, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a gun nut, but that is definitely not a James Bond. Uh, let me zoom in. Um, <laughs> it's it's difficult. I mean, I think David and I are probably relatively. Okay with uh, Bond guns. Am I right in saying that, David? Well, I am a bit, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, um, a, it's, it's a long time since I've used a gun. It's difficult to say because it's kind of <laughs> in anger. In anger, it's it's sort of it's sort of front end, front on. So it could be it it could potentially be a, a suppressed PPK or something like that. But it's hard to hard to really tell because it's it's more of a kind of an idea of a gun, an actual gun, whereas on Definitely looks like a flag should be coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, where is, uh, sorry, where is... sorry. On that, on that, I would suggest that if the artist was using reference photography, and this is complete assumption at the time, that the shot of Roger is probably one from the Spy Who Loved Me promo stuff. Mm. But I wonder, I wonder if the gun, because it's very clearly the hand is painted in separately. Is if that's the gun from Diamonds Are Forever that fires the little metal prongs out of it that Bond uses to swing? Because there is a there is a promo shot of Sean Connery. Most Bond fans will be familiar with it. Pete shooting, yes, which he shoots Blofeld in the head with. There's a promo shot of that moment, which looks like it would match that angle. Uh, the Peyton uh, barrel, like a, the actual hole, not even a hole. It's just like a flat aperture. So it it, it could well be that, as opposed to the air pistol. Uh, that is in the Bantam cover. Yes, that the plagued all that from Russia with Love artwork. But it's a war for air pit. The thing I like about the Bantam cover, though, is that they've totally done away with the torso, but 
there's an amazing amount of detail than yeah. it, 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 it kind of gun. ties back to the the skull in the non box it's, it, this is what the skull looked like before decomposition <laughs> <laughs> set in and there was also a, a there's also a, um, an amputated hand as well <laughs> That's used for Thunderball later on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we've got one body. We can use it for two books. <laughs> <laughs> Very efficient murderers. I do. I was just going to say, I do really like these Phantom covers. Uh, the artwork generally tends to be pretty interesting. Like you, Sean, I think they, are ten- they tend to be let down by the uh, depiction of women. But I always quite like the... the the depiction of Bond. I think they they tend to do a. They're not uniformly the same person, but I quite like that kind of pick a, a pulpy yeah. quality. But it, it, it's of. like like the, the woman has a body, but Bond doesn't. Well, they, well what's what's interesting is this edition of Goldfinger was published uh, in seventy two, so this would have been in between Diamonds and Live and Let Die. So it would have been when there was no prominent actor as James Bond. So it's nice that they've. Put someone it's, in. It's John Gavin. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, what, what, the, the, there's the comma of hair though, so uh, it, it's the artist has clearly read uh, the book or uh, mm. whoever uh, instructed him to to do the artwork uh, knew what Bond was supposed to look like. I guess. Right. Well, I think I think you can get that sense as well. Looking at when you look at Jill, when you look at Jill Baston's face there. Um, I love I love the level of detail of the. Um, and I like I like all the little sparkles around her. Sparkle filter. I, I just quite like that. Um, but she's the, got a sort of like filter. she's got a sort of like ghostly haunted look. Like mm. that's the face of a woman that could have been killed and painted gold. She's just annoyed someone stole her aviators. That's what it, <laughs> the look of. Um, but what's interesting with this one, um, as opposed to the other Bantam covers, is the layout of the type. Um, the other band, and you can tell this one was designed to incorporate the previous layout where James Bond goes in massive letters on the left-hand side. It's, it's just one, and I think they're both very similar, but also very different takes of the same thing. And they both come at a point after the film where anything to do with Goldfinger, it's, it's a golden girl that you put on there instantly. Okay, I, I, I've got a, a, a gun thing here. That looks a bit like uh, a wolf uh, PK-38. P thirty eight, the what in the in the, in the yeah. Bantam picture. P thirty eight, yeah, 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 yeah. In, in the and uh, which Bond actually used in the film. He he did use a P thirty eight in Goldfinger, and in fact, he never used his PPK, although he did have one mm-hmm. in in the pre title sequence. But he only fires P thirty eight. It's a similar look, but I think it's because a lot a lot of Walter arms tend to have similar looks to them. But I would I would say that's probably closer to the Walter air pistol. Uh, mm. than it is to the 38. All right, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to call time on this one and we're going to come back for okay. the film posters at a later date. We thank Sean, Ben and David for joining me again and um, we'll we'll speak to you again about Goldfinger very soon. Look thank forward for to it. Thanks thank for having you. us on again. Bye. Bye. Goldfinger is a man and we'll mind a stash A spider stash Such a cool 
blackest view To enter this web of sin But don't go here Go the words that were pouring your ear But his lies can disguise what you feel Oh, a golden girl Knows when this kisser Is the kiss of that from Mr. Goldfinger Beware of this hard gold His heart is cold Golden words he will pour in your ear But his lies can disguise what you feel Oh, a golden girl Knows when his kisser Is the kiss of death From Mr. Goldfinger Pretty girl Beware of this hard gold His heart is cold